Thank you for tuning in to a sermon from Redemption Hill Church. I'm so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this will lift your heart and encourage you, set your eyes more fully on Jesus as we open God's word together. You can join us anytime in person or online in our live stream. You can find that at redemptionhilldc.org. If you're not in D.C., we encourage you to get involved in a local church where you live for the sake of encouragement and accountability in a local body, but we're also glad to have you join us and, and walk through this study with us. If you'd like to support the ministries of Redemption Hill, you can do so at our website, again, redemptionhilldc.org. Father, as we come to your word today, we come expectantly and hopefully. We come wanting to hear your voice. We come wanting to encounter your presence by your spirit. And so would you set our eyes more fully on Jesus and show us how we are a part of participating in your work together as your people and as a church. And so we lift this time to you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, church, uh, especially if you're new, we are in a series that has been called Dwell, an Enduring and Faithful Presence, that is looking at, at where we are as a church and some of where we would like to go. As we feel like God is calling us to be more deeply rooted in this place and to have more sustained, so that we can have more sustained fruitfulness in this place. So we had booklets that I think we're out of, but we have a QR code. If anybody wants to use that to grab a digital copy right now, you can. Today we're going to finish out our time in 2 Corinthians with, with chapter 9. And so if you have a Bible, you can open it up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll start in verse 11. Next week, Pastor Eric will bring this series to a close. Um, and so over the last several weeks, we have seen the call to, to dwell as exiles in our city, investing ourselves for its good, its shalom, its peace, and wholeness and well-being. And we've also seen that a call to what it looks like to give ourselves first to the Lord and how to give God's way and how to, how to give in abundance. And last week, we talked about the difference between a scarcity mindset, where we try to hold on to as much as we can, and an abundance mindset, where we trust God to have given us what we have so that we, we can funnel it through us to his good work. Well, today that carries forward. Again, we're in chapter 9, and today's passage, as we finish out this chapter, turns outward into the impact of our giving. And so it's true, God wants our hearts. We need to have integrity in our use of money and time and talent and an abundance mindset that gives freely. But today we see that our, our, the way that we give matters, it, it, that giving to God's glory makes a real impact in our world. And so, 2 Corinthians 9, beginning in verse 11, this is what we read. As, as a little bit of context, Paul to the Corinthian church is taking up a, a collection for the church in Jerusalem. He's just finished saying that God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work, that he who supplies the seed to the sower and the bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing, sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And so with that, he goes on to say, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of, of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission 
that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so today we look at giving to God's glory. And, and I want you to see, we've seen this throughout, and we, we memorized a verse together in, in chapter 8, verse 9, that says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. That that's a foundation, that's kind of a center point for all of the arguments that, that the Apostle Paul is making through this section, that it's the grace of God through Christ, that Christ took on poverty so that we might receive the riches of Christ and in, in inheritance that cannot ever be taken from us. And so today we see the close to this whole section where Paul says here, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. He's saying there is something that God has given us that is, is so good, is so powerful that we can't even speak of it, that words can't contain and capture and touch the goodness of what he's done for us. And that gift that he's given us is God's grace that he's been talking about along the way. And so the first step we have today is to give in response to God's grace, to understand the beauty of what God has done for us in Christ, and that changes every bit of us. That's why we can give ourselves first to the Lord. That's why we, when we respond to God's grace and we say, God has given us this incredible gift of his grace, that he has given us what we don't deserve through Christ, that, that we are able to say, okay, this shapes every aspect of our lives. And grace is what makes Christianity different than every other religion on the face of the earth. Every other religion is striving to gain God's favor. It's working to try to get there. It's working hard to try to understand and to earn our way into God's pleasure, making sure that we get there by the end. Like the last words of, of Buddha were, depending on which translation you read, it was strive unceasingly or work out your salvation with care. The last words of Jesus were, it's finished. The work is done. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. That he went to the cross on our behalf for our sake. He became poor so that we might be rich. That's the beauty of the grace of the gospel. And Tony Evans said, grace is God's inexhaustible supply of goodness, doing for us what we do not deserve cannot earn, and could never repay. I want, leave that up for, for just a minute. This is, I want you to see what, what Dr. Evans says here. Grace is God's inexhaustible supply of goodness. Like, inexhaustible. This is an inexpressible gift. God never runs out of grace. And we can feel that way sometimes because we mess up and we get ourselves into low places and we wonder, like, you know, I've made this promise to God, you know, a thousand times now. God, I've, I've slipped again, but I'm not going to do it again. I'm going to commit myself to you. We do it again. God, I've slipped again. I'm going to commit myself to you. It's, when is it going to run out? Because the people around us run out of grace for us. No, it's It's inexhaustible. Think about standing on the seashore. I, the ocean for me is, is a particular place where I feel a connection to God's presence, seeing the vastness and the power of the ocean. And think about standing on a seashore and just seeing the waves roll in, one after the other. 
It doesn't matter if the tide's going in or going out. There's always movement as the waves roll in. That's what God's grace is like. You can't stop it. You can't exhaust it. It's never going to get to a point where God says, that's enough, you've had enough grace. No, it is unending and tireless. And it's his supply of his goodness. Like That's a characteristic of God that I don't, I don't know that we focus on enough, the goodness of God to us, that that's... That's really what, what we should, what I rest in what, when we're wondering, like, why, why is the world the way we see it? Why is my life, why am I facing these struggles? Why are people I love facing struggles that, this way? Why, why, are there, why is there negativity? Why are there bad things happening around me? We can come back again and again and again and see throughout the storyline of Scripture that God is good. And so when his grace comes to us, it's his goodness that is extended to us, and and it does for us, and I love this, that what we do not deserve, so it's a gift we don't deserve, we cannot and could never repay, that we cannot earn and could never repay. That's incredible. That's the foundation for everything else we're going to talk about today and that we've been talking about over the last several weeks is the goodness of God's grace to us. So we give in response to God's grace. And that, that, that part, in understanding what it means that we, we don't deserve it, we can't earn it, we can never repay it, like these are the reminders I try to give my kids sometimes. You live in this house. <laughs> we have given you good things to eat. I know you don't want dinner now and you want to eat microwave popcorn later. I get it. <laughs> but you haven't earned anything that you're getting here. You're not going to be able to repay this. But still, as a dad, I love you, and I want good things for you. If we lose sight of grace, we lose sight of the gospel. Christianity doesn't make sense. If we understand and taste even a little bit of the fullness of God's grace to us, though, then our natural response is to want to turn and extend it to others, to become conduits of God's grace. And I love that this is where it goes next, that... That we give, why do we give? So there's three reasons that Paul gives us why we give here. We give to increase thanksgiving. And so this is what, at the, right at the top in verse 11. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So again, he's taking up a collection for the church in Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem was struggling. It was poor, and it needed help. And the apostles, Peter and James and John, had said to Paul, hey, whatever you do, you're the apostle of the Gentiles, whatever you do, remember us here, remember the poor. And Paul said, that's the very thing I was eager to do. And so he had started churches throughout modern-day Turkey and up into Greece and down into the, the southern part into what it was Achaia at the time and as part of modern-day Greece. And as he, start, as he started all these churches, and then he circled back through them. He gave them warning, gave them time, said, I'm going to come back and take up a collection for the church in Jerusalem. Because this is where the gospel started. We need to support. There's an interdependence in churches we've seen throughout this section that Paul is, is urging them toward. And so now as he says this, he says, all right, this collection that I'm taking up, now you're giving because of God's grace to us. There's an inexpressible gift that is the foundation for this. And as you give, yes, it is supplying the needs of the saints in Jerusalem. He's saying, yes, there are material needs there. 
But as those needs are supplied, then you will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us, he's saying the money's going to come through us and it will produce thanksgiving to God. The saints there will overflow in thanksgiving to God. This is the gift that they are giving, that the Corinthian church is giving to the Jerusalem church, is that they will have a reason to thank God for their generosity. And so as we think about giving ourselves, giving our, our time, giving our talent, giving money toward God's work, this is one of the goals. It's not just to give money. It's that, that thanksgiving to God would increase. The theologian Don Carson said, You see, people who really do want the God of the universe, our maker and redeemer, to receive the praise that is his due, want to give in such a way that Christians respond all over the world thinking, Thank God for those Christians who have helped here. Thank God for their example. Thank God for his grace working so powerfully in their lives. Reading this, this section at the end of chapter 9, it, this like, captures my heart of saying, gosh, I want to be able to be generous this way. I want God to be able to grant me the ability and the heart to be generous in this way that understanding that, that as I give to his glory, it will bring other people to thank him. That we, I want to, and this is the call here is, is really that we would be conduits of God's grace to other people so that there would be an increase in thankfulness. Now, what is a conduit? I think that terminology gets thrown around. It gets thrown around in Christian circles sometimes. Um, if you haven't done construction, you might not understand what a conduit is. A conduit is just a pipe that transfers some one, something from one place to another. It could be water. Often when we talk about conduits, like if you go out into Frager's hardware and said, hey, do you have any conduit? They would take you to a section with electrical because there's conduits that run through the walls of our houses to be, that the power lines go through to take power from the breaker box into the house. So again, it could be water, it could be power. If you've been around this neighborhood for the last couple of years, Pennsylvania Avenue has been under unending construction right through the middle of this neighborhood for the last couple of years. Um, and, and the reason is because they've been setting up new street lights all the way down from the Capitol all the way to the river. And so it's been dug up, it's been patched, it's been repaved, it's, been, it's just been a mess. But what they're doing, if you ever stop and look, because I'm fascinated by when they're digging in the street and there's those steel plates over the street. Like, I, it's always, I always wonder, like, are we talking about an inch here if a car goes through this? Or are we talking about, like, feet? Um, it's, it's just fascinating to me. And they're all held together with these, like, patches of asphalt on the corners. So I, but, but underneath that, when you, if you walked by, what they were doing was digging down so that they could run fresh conduit power lines underneath the street. And it ran all the way down Pennsylvania Avenue so they could hook up the power to these new streetlights and, and new stoplights all along the way. Without the conduit, then it, the power lines would have been exposed to all kinds of moisture and problems. And so this is a protection that makes sure that things get to where they need to be. And so when, when I say that, that we get to be conduits of God's grace, this is, this is the imagery is that, that God's presence and grace throws, flows through his people. And so that we can be the, the pipeline for people to taste the living water of Jesus Christ. 
that we can, we can be a pipeline that extends that to others, so that we are a pipeline, a pathway for God's power to extend into and light up dark places, that we get to be the instruments through which God works. And in this case, as we give it to God's glory, the, you know, our pathway of his grace, this inexpressible gift that we can't sustain, that we didn't create, that we didn't earn, but extend that to others, the result is that people will thank God. That's beautiful. This is the heart behind what we want to be as a church. That we, we want to be such, clear con, uh, such a clear conduit for the grace of God through us that other Christians would say, in D.C. and around the world, would say, thank God for those people and for God's grace working th- so powerfully through their lives. Not for our glory, that they would thank God for his grace through us, that we're just the conduit. We have ministries like this in our city that we've been partnering with for a long time. Um, Little Lights is a ministry we've been partnering with a long time. And some, I know some right now are going through the race literacy course. And we've had others that have gone through that in the past. We've, we've been invo- involved in Saturday drop-ins and some mentoring and trying to support that ministry. Um, through COVID, our church was one of the only churches that faithfully still found ways to serve and gave extras to be able to sustain the work that God's doing in Little Lights. And that's one example But we are working right now on some ways to increase partnerships like that all across the city. Pastor Rich is focused on working to help us out so that we can rally to help out and have CGs in certain areas rally together to help out and serve together with the hope that if God's grace and goodness flows through us, that it would increase people's thankfulness to God and that we get to be a part of that. And so giving God's glory means we give in response to God's grace, we give to increase thanksgiving, and we give third to increase worship. If what flows from God's grace, from our confession of the good news of the gospel, and overflows in generosity to others, then that increases the glory God receives, and it will increase worship. That's what it means to glorify God. Thinking about this, as Paul says this, and he goes on, verse 13, by their approval of this service, as they receive this, they'll thank God and they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from the confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. And so he's saying the glory of God will increase. John Piper famously said years ago in a book about missions that missions exist because worship doesn't. Like this is the, the role that Christians have in this world is to bring the gospel to others so that more people join in worshiping God. This is what Peter says when he says, listen, we're sojourners and exiles here, but he says, God has saved us out of darkness into his marvelous light so that we might proclaim the excellencies of him. Like that is, so worship is, is to glorify God and give him the glory that he rightly deserves. And I think there's a nuance here on a difference between thanksgiving and worship. Thanksgiving is giving thanks to God and praise to God, but specifically for what God has done, and typically for us, while worship gives praise and glory to God for who he is. So as we pray, usually I think thanksgiving comes a little bit more easily that we might be able to say, I can see the things that God has done for me in my life. And so, and so Thanksgiving, good things. Lord, thank you for the meal we're about to eat. 
if you sit down and you're about to eat. Thank you for providing for me. Thank you for the relationships you've brought into my life. Thank you for the goodness that you've shown me in what you've done for me. Thank you for the work I get to do. And we thank God for specifics. Well, worship takes that thanksgiving and looks beyond it and says, wow, God, you've provided for me. Thank you for being the provider. God, you are the creator and sustainer of all things. Thank you for breathing life and breath into me. Thank you for the gift of life we have through new babies and new life. Thank you for who you are. And so the difference there is important that this extends beyond thanksgiving into recognizing who God is and worshiping him for it. And so there's a lot of good work that we as a church can do and must do in our city to seek the welfare of our city and to serve in meaningful and tangible ways. And the church exists to worship God the Father through Christ in the Spirit. We are God's people to bear witness to the truth and power and light breaking through the darkness, life conquering death in the resurrection of Jesus. Redemption Hill, we talk about this as gospel-centered worship, gospel-shaped community, and gospel-driven mission, that we gather together centered on who Christ is and what God has done for us to worship God and bring him glory, that, we, that gospel shapes our community and as we gather together and support one another, and that extends through us into mission and the work that we do around us. And so we get to be a part of this, responding to God's grace, increasing thanksgiving, and increasing worship. And fourth, we give to increase prayer. Again, this is beautiful. We see in verse 14. So they're going to they're gonna glorify God, and while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. And so this gets back again to the interdependence of Christians. That Paul is saying here, hey, church in Corinth, church in Macedonia, you have resources that the, that the church in Jerusalem just doesn't have. And so we're gathering that up so that you can send it to them and look at the impact that your giving is going to have for them. It's going to increase thanksgiving, it's going to increase worship, and there's interdependence here because it's going to increase their prayer for you. There, there is an interdependence that still exists. In Redemption Hill, we have resources as a church right now. Early on, we didn't have resources. When we were starting as a church, when, I, when we first moved out here in 2010, um, Alyssa and I you know, kind of scrambled and raised support, and Cornerstone Church in Annandale was, a, was our primary support. We had other churches and other Christians that supplied the, my family's needs as we came into the city, and for the first three years, Redemption Hill didn't have to bear that burden as we were getting going, but, but over time, we had a, we, that was diminishing, and it diminishes quick in, a church, in most church plants. And so as that diminished, the church took it on, thank God. But other churches paid the way and paved the way for this church to even get started. And the only gift we could offer our supporting churches, it wasn't like we could, we could pay them back. That wasn't what they wanted, though. But it did mean that we could, we could, it was an opportunity for partnership, that we sent monthly updates and prayer letters to say, hey, here's what happened this past month. Here's what's coming up. Here's ways you can pray for our family, for the work that we're doing. And, and here's way, and let me know how we can pray for your church. And so that became this, what they had was they had the opportunity to have a helping hand to start a new church. We had nothing to offer materially, but it increased our prayer and increased the prayer of all of us as we saw God work. And now we have some resources 
by God's grace to us, we are self-sustaining as a church and able to be invested into others. And so for the whole existence of Redemption Hill, we have given at least 10% of what comes in internally in our normal giving to the work of, church, of planting churches. We've had consistent partnerships in our city. We want to see that grow. But the goal of us becoming more deeply rooted here is increased fruitfulness, not so we can just sit back and be comfortable. Um, one theologian noted that, that history is long, churches rise and fall, there is a life cycle to churches. In many ways, uh, the Jerusalem church provided the help of sending out missionaries. This is a Jerusalem church that, that brought the gospel and first articulated the gospel into the rest of the pagan world. And, and so now Paul is saying, like, hey, we, there's something we owe them in gratitude as, as now th- their gift of sending the gospel out has made it so that there's an increase of thanksgiving and worship and prayer in these churches, including Corinth. And now, as they invest into the poor saints in Jerusalem, there's, there's an interdependence here. And I can tell you that there are all kinds of things that we as a church can learn from churches all over the world. That, that in, many, in many parts of the world, Christians pray more regularly, more faithfully, and more fruitfully than we do. And for us. Um, I got a message today, or yesterday, sorry. I got a message yesterday on WhatsApp from Pastor Eli Casares in Mexico City. And he hit me on WhatsApp, and I saw it come through, and it was a, it was a, vocal, a voice message, like an audio message. And I was like, oh, that's... Usually we just kind of text back and forth, and so I listened to it, and he went on for minutes because he let me know and reminded me, today, Doxa Church is celebrating its seventh anniversary as a church. Seven years. And Redemption Hill sent the family, that, the Rodriguez family, to plant Doxa Church. We trained them up and sent them. The church was started. And Pastor Eli and Liz took over the church and are leading it well. And so it is sustained by the grace of God. And, and we got to invest into that work. And we still support Doxa Church. They still regularly, monthly receive, and, and their income flows from other supporters through Redemption Hill. And so we're still an active part of that. But he called me, to, he left that message for me to let me know so that we could celebrate, first of all, with them and say, it's been seven years of God's grace and work in Mexico City. But he also let me know that how regularly he prays for me and they pray for us as a church, how grateful to God he is for Redemption Hill Church and our continued investment into them. And so we see, I was seeing in real time what I was about to bring to you today of saying, man, God's grace coming through us in the support of Doxa has increased thanksgiving and worship and prayer in that place. And we have the privilege to be partners in it without, I mean, let's be honest, without actually doing any of the work there. Thank God for that. We see this at Village in Belfast. There have been two churches planted in Belfast that we have been invested into and and supported. And regularly, Andrew Elder calls me to ask ask me how he can pray for me. And we're able to pray for each other. And so there's an interdependence in churches. Those who have resources often can't match the desperation and prayer of those who do not. And the fifth is to give to participate in God's work. And this kind of sums up the whole paragraph that we looked at today. And this is the eternal perspective. Paul's saying we have an inexpressible gift. 
God's grace has come to us. We are saved. That is the good news of the gospel. And so that is glorious. And now it's astounding that we get to participate, that we are invited to participate in God's work. And, and that the eternal perspective can extend our view of God's work through us. And so we do tend, as individually as a church, we, we tend to get really short in our focus. And we think about what's happening this month, what's happening this year, what's happening this week. And it can make us kind of frantic of wondering, like, there's always something to be done. And it's true. There's always more that can be done. There's always more needs to be met, always more people to be in contact with, always more people that we can share the good news of Jesus with and work that we can do in our city. yes. Having an eternal perspective, recognizing and realizing that we are a part of God's work, that we participate in God's work, but we aren't the, one, the only ones doing God's work, is so freeing. To recognize and realize, our church has been here for 11 and a half years. I'm grateful to God for that. And again, we meet in a place that has been here for 185 years. And we don't know what the life cycle of churches will be. We don't know how long God will use Redemption Hill Church as his instrument. But as long as we're here, we get get invited to participate with him in his work. And so let's invest ourselves into things that will last. Into things that, and work that will outlast us and outlive us. We, it can give a, having an eternal perspective as we participate in God's work can give us the patience to know that we can't do everything we want to do. We can't accomplish all of it, but that it is God's timing and his power through us for good. And so we want people to look at the way that God is working in and through Redemption Hill, the way we love our city for its good, the ongoing witness of weekly gathering together to worship Jesus together, to the, with the gospel on display as we live under the kingship of Christ, that, that people turn and thank God and worship God and pray to God as we join God and participate in his work. N.T. Wright said that there is an attractiveness, an energy about a life in which we stop clinging on to everything we can get and start sharing it, giving it away, celebrating God's generosity by being generous ourselves. And so church, this is what we have in front of us today. Thank God for his inexpressible gift of grace. God is the ultimate giver and his grace is the ultimate gift. And I want you to see the progression here, that there is a progression through these and a progression through the passage. That if we understand God's grace, and we, we are, and we respond to that. If we understand the inexpressible gift that we've been given in Christ and turn our lives over to Christ, then that's going to change us, and we won't be able to help but thank him. And say, Lord, thank you that you've, you know, amazing grace, that you've saved a wretch like me. Thank you. Thank you for, for giving Christ for me something I, didn't, I don't deserve, that I can't earn. Thank you. And as we thank God and and turn to him and praise him and thank him for what he's done, it will increase worship because we won't be able, it will draw us, it will draw us closer to God and we'll be able to see not just what he's done for us, but who he is that has, has fueled what he has done. And as we worship God together, as we gather together to worship on Sundays, the hope is that it draws us closer to God in relationship. And as we get into that relationship, it will increase our prayer as we meet with God and talk with God, read his word. And, and Luther said that prayer is like breathing for the Christian. As we pray, we'll see God's work more and his glory increase. 
and we'll have a heart to see and know where he's working and to join him and to participate with him. And so is, this is what we are hoping for as a church. As we call the church together to, to dwell as an enduring and faithful presence, this is what we're hoping is that that we are giving ourselves to the glory of God as a response to his grace and that we, through, that we would become conduits of that grace into our city and beyond it to increase thanksgiving and worship and prayer as we participate in God's work together. I want you to see where we're going to go from here. Over the next month, we are um, hoping to call the entire church together for a, a month of laying ourselves before God to, to ask him what he is calling each of us to do and us to do together. And so next week, Pastor Eric is closing this series with um, Exodus chapter 31, which I'm sure that most of you haven't read this past week. So if you want to prepare for it, it's Exodus chapter 31 verses 1 to 5 is next week. That'll lead us into the week, that week following, the 13th to 16th, we're going to have a call to those who call Redemption Hill Church home to pray and to fast. The idea will be that you'll, we'll have a guide for you, and on the day that your community group meets, we are going to ask you to pray and to fast, and then as you come together for CG that night, to break the fast together. And so that's the week of the 13th to 16th. Um, the 26th of February, we're, we're going to have a concert of prayer that we're still working out the details on. That we'll be together as a church to close the month out in prayer together. March 1st, we have members meeting where we'll continue to pray together. And then on March 5th, we are going to call the church to a commitment Sunday. Um, as, and we'll explain that more as we get closer. So in February, we are going to jump back into John as we head into Lent. That'll be on the 19th. Of February. Um, next week, I do want to mention, I know you're all here for the 9 a.m., but we will have a 5 p.m. service next week. The, I know there's some cultural event that happens Sunday night the 12th, um, and I don't know whether you're pulling eagles or chiefs, but we'll, we'll deal with that next week. Um, but um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next month as we all seek God's face together, that this is where, where we're heading together and we have a month to be able to invest together as we all seek God together. And so um, this is where, where we're going. But in this, again, I want the reminder that, that what we've seen throughout, throughout the passage in these chapters in, in 2 Corinthians, that, that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's our, it, we know this, that, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Church, this is the foundation. This is the good news of the gospel that is what, what founds and fuels us to continue to participate in God's work in our city. This is what we're calling everyone into together. Let's pray. Father, I am thankful for the gift of life and babies. I am thankful um, that, that, we, that even the rocks cry out and worship to you that all of creation cries to your presence and character. Father, thank you for the work that you've done so far through our church, for the privilege we've had to be invested together in work here that's extended to other places. Lord, we believe that you've got good things for us and ahead for us, and so we want to walk with you and be close with you. So as we pursue your good plan for us together as a church, would you shape our hearts by your grace? 
and that we could be conduits of your grace into this place. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.